What's up, Knicks fans? It's Martin from Knicks UK, and we're excited to bring you another episode of the podcast. Although the Knicks winning streak was ended by the Suns, it was still a really good week for the Knicks. At the time we recorded, the Knicks remained in sole possession of the fourth seed in the Eastern Conference, which is absolutely unbelievable. Really fun conversation this week, and we hope you enjoy it. So it's Thursday and it's time to talk some New York Knicks basketball. As always, I'm joined by Scott. Scott, are you feeling much better this week? Feeling a bit better, Martin. So hopefully, good things to come. Good. And Carl, how are you feeling, mate? Yep, all good. And it was all good at the beginning of the week for, for the Knicks against the Raptors. Yep, the winning streak. Was, was continuing at that point. Obviously, it's come to an end now, but well, I suppose we'll get on to that in a bit. But no, Raptors game was was good fun, actually. Obviously, it was a big game at the time. I wanted to continue that winning streak. And in the end, I mean, we've, we've absolutely pasted them, really, haven't we? And just thought, again, it was another gritty performance. And in the end, fourth quarter, I think we held them to, I think, is it 20 points? 19 or 20 points, I think we held them to. Yeah, so Something like that. We ended up just holding them in the end and, and the, the offence clicked. I think we were shooting pretty well from three. I seem to remember Julius hitting quite a few threes that game. Um, but yeah, no, it was another good performance. I was really happy with that game. It felt like a really big one at the time and it, and it proved to be, I think, because winning over these Eastern Conference teams is, is going to, be important when we look back at these results so I thought that we played well we're hitting the shots from three I thought the defense was okay um and yeah I thought thought, thought it was a solid win yeah I kind of agree I, I think the Raptors game I think it started was a lot harder and it was at the end because the Raptors came out and actually played quite well Fred Van Leet was playing really well at the start Siakam is playing well. I mean, the Raptors are a good. You look at their roster; they're a very good side. I just, but you look at their stats and the wins; it's not great. I don't understand it myself. But we came out, we played well. We got the victory we fully deserved. I thought Julius played well, RJ played well, Derek Rose and a fine game. I thought on defense we were well. We got into, we adjusted ourselves a bit and got into the game, but I thought it was a win that we well deserved at the end. Yeah, I, I had the same thought as you, Scott. I thought, looking at the roster, I thought, we might be in a spot of bother here. And then the game takes place and you can see that all those players, they, they, you know, they played re- relatively well, but the Knicks just seemed to have more than them and they had that extra gear they could go to in the fourth when they just put the clamps on and um, the Raptors struggled to get anything offensively. Uh, this one, again, as you said, Cal Julius just just sort of took the team over and we were on his back and he dragged us through this one at times. And then RJ and Rose had good games, but Obi Toppin hit three threes, which we yeah, started over these, over these last few games. We've started to see some confidence. Yeah, some confidence. Not, not, not a kid who's lost out there on the floor, someone who's actually contributing to wins. I'm really pleased with him at the moment. I think I tweeted it yesterday after the game. I've sort of come full circle again with Obi that he sort of, he looks, you could see why we drafted him at eight to start of the season. Then he fell off and he looked lost and then he was okay. And then now he's sort of back to being confident. And I think that coincides with Derek Rose 
hitting form as well. I think when Rose is playing well, he's Obi's playing well. I think they have a great connection on the court. I really like that he's hitting the threes from the corner a bit better. Um, I think if he can get that shot consistent, I think, you know, he's going to be really valuable because I think once we get a proper point guard who can split the time with Rose, rather than having Peyton, Obi Toppin will become very valuable because you can see in the pick and roll that he's really good. And you can see when he gets into the post, just his sheer length and his athleticism is such a big part of his game, isn't it? That he makes some of those buckets look really easy. And then if we can try and find him in transition a bit more as well, obviously we struggle in transition quite a lot of the time. I think as soon as we can get someone who can push the pace a little bit more, I think Obi suddenly becomes way more effective. But he's looked quite good on defence as well. You know, he's been grabbing the rebounds nicely and he's been getting up there. And I think he's not been looking so lost. And I think that give him a full off-season and another full pre-season with his coaching staff, I think he turns into quite a good role player. I don't think he's ever going to be setting the league alight as a starter or anything. But I think as a solid contributor off the bench and as a backup and our bench power forward. I think he's going to be just fine. Yeah, I have to say about difference, nobody seems to be. You say, I know you say confidence, but he doesn't look scared. When he first came in, he looked a bit timid, scared. He thought, wow, I'm, in, sweet, I'm, now, I'm now in the big leagues. It's like, what do I do here? And he was maybe seeing now. I used, I used to watch him on TV and all kind of stuff like that. But now he's going to him, not scaring anybody. You see, he's going up with rebounds. He's he just, he looks like he's, he fits, he belongs here. He feels like he belongs here. And you say that Rose has probably helped him having chats with him and IQ and Tibbs has probably had a few chats with him about our players. But I know you mentioned that it's a power forward. I seen somebody talking about it the other day, they will be talking maybe a possible replacement for Taj, which I thought was quite a good idea because when Tabs retires, because he's that type of player, but he's probably got a higher ceiling than Taj because... He's probably a bit more offensive, but he can get rebounds. He's he's a big lad. If he builds himself up, he's able to make some blocks. I don't know what he's thinking of. Yeah, I think he's a pretty coachable player. I think you could definitely mould him into a five, a stretch five. If he starts hitting the threes, like I said, more consistently, then who knows? I think he's still got a higher ceiling, but who knows? I hope he... Sticks I was, wait, I was waiting for the book as it involved Taj. <laughs> I know. No, I'm, I'm, I'm talking about when Taj is retired. I'm not talking about as injuries right now. Don't calm down, Callum. <laughs> <laughs> but just because he's size and he's he's a bit, he can be more aggressive. And I just think he's that type of player. And somebody, no, I, I heard somebody talking I... about it and I thought that's quite a good idea. I yeah. agree, but only once Taj is retired. <laughs> 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 yeah, there's there's nothing that you you, know, you can you can disagree with that because he's he is good on the boards and he's he, he's competing a lot more on defense in particular. He's he looks like he's getting in the right positions and he's sort of taking his match up seriously. And that's you know it, it's all about growing and learning. If, you know if he was 19 and played in this league, I think the the criticism of Obi would have been much quieter than what it has been yeah. given his age. Um, and that that's quite unfair because he was a late, late developer anyway. Um, and so it'd be interesting to see him to see him develop. I also think that you know the Knicks, he plays predominantly on the second unit. The Knicks traded for a point guard, you know, after the season had started. The Knicks didn't have the opportunity to run through an off-season 
where they had Obi and Rose. And whilst there's good chemistry between them, there isn't that time in this congested season for them to have significant coaching and training in which they are able to focus primarily on that relationship. So I'm happy with where he is. Um, I'm happy that the Knicks got to 9-0. and And we then ran into the Phoenix Suns. And it started really well, didn't it, Carl? Yeah, no, it was encouraging. And actually, I don't think there's too many negatives you can take away from this game because it was another game where we sort of kept it competitive. And although the final score, we end up losing by eight, but I thought we were there right to the end. And if it wasn't for the wise man, Chris Paul, hitting some incredible shots and, and Devin Booker, you know, lighting us up towards the end throughout the game, I thought there was a chance we might have snuck in a win there. But again, it was just another performance. I don't think we shot particularly well. Um, I thought Reggie had another good game and I'm, I'm sure we'll touch on Reggie. He's been incredible over the last, you know, 10, 11 games. He's been unplayable at times, you know, shooting from three. I thought Derek Rose carried us again. I thought Derek Rose was, was good in this game. I think it just came down to the Phoenix Suns just have a very good team and they're obviously quite <laughs> far ahead of from us. Um, they've got CP3 who's an incredible point guard, even at 35, 36, they've got one of the best young young talents in Devin Booker. And they've got a good team. Um, I thought it was just a good marker of where we're at as well. Like, we can clearly hang with these guys. We're clearly not too far off. And that's mental saying that, really, given the, the roster we, we had at the start of the season and what, what we thought was going to happen, to be saying that we sort of hung in there against some of these top teams that... I'm quite proud, really, even though it snapped our winning streak. I don't think there was too much negativity you could take away from it, really. No, you couldn't. I just thought the difference was the night, like you said, it was quality of player difference. Mm. Uh, I thought Julius had a quiet night. I don't know if they doubled up on quite a lot and they knew we were going to go through him. So I thought he could have had a better night. You never know what could have happened because he was quite poor and he's shooting. The shooting could have been better at times for us and we do require maybe a couple of shooters. But I thought overall we hung in there. We never looked like we were ever going to get blown out, which was good to see. I'll tell you this, did it, that Suns team, they're a bunch of moaners. Come on, all they do is moan, moan, moan. I've never seen players moan so much. CP3, he's a quality player, but he never shuts up. Come on. Yeah. No, I just thought, I thought we were unlucky, but the better team probably won in the end. But what a bunch of moaners. They make <laughs> me like, like I don't teach a bit more. <laughs> well, the Knicks led by as many as I think it got up to 13, 14, 15 points in there in the first the first half. And the Suns had to sort of cling on to the to the heels of the Knicks because they were flying, they were making everything. And only Devin Booker, who had a, a phenomenal game, he, he cooled off as the game went on a little bit in the second half. But in the first half, he was hitting everything. The Knicks couldn't contain him. There was that move, might have even been in the second half, where he sort of did the hezzy and then went down the... Uh, the, the baseline and then dunked it on, uh, he didn't dunk it on Reggie, he went by Reggie and I just thought... He went by Reggie, didn't he? Yeah. It was just, it was just a sort of a glance at the sort of, that's the next level player up, what this next team needs, a, a bucket you can just go to, who's just incredible. He was cooking Reggie all night. I think he got in foul trouble early. He couldn't play as aggressive on defence and that did impact the Knicks. But, you know, as we said, they, they hung in there. Julius and Barrett both struggled all night. Rose and IQ were really good offensively. 
and it was close heading into the fourth until Cam Johnson, who couldn't hit a barn door all night, decided to go off. And I think he had two or three threes that just sort of pushed them ahead. And then CP3 with a couple of circus shots at the end of the game. And that, that was the difference, wasn't it? Just, yeah, just easily, some big yeah. shots at the end of the game, which they hit, the Knicks didn't. Uh, yeah, easily. Like I said, and like Scott said, it's just a difference in that quality and that experience. I mean, when you've got a backcourt of CP3 and Devin Booker, you're, you're going to do well. And I think it, it was just a fun game again. Like Even though we end up losing, it was a good game. I thought it was a good marker of where, where we potentially could be. You look at the Suns, and they were really they're a CP. They were a CP three away from being a contender, even in the West, which is obviously, in my opinion, significantly more difficult than the East. With some of the teams you've got, and some of the players you've got over on that side, and that maybe makes me think: with the Knicks, are we, you know, are we a CP three type point guard away from competing at the top? And you look at where we're at, sitting in fourth, and I think it's not out of the realms of possibility to think that we're a Kyle Lowry or a CP3 away from being even better. So it's exciting, really. I, I really didn't take much negativity away from it. I, I was sort of not feeling too bad about it, even though it snapped our win streak. And it was obviously incredible scenes on Twitter and everything. And everyone was, it was amazing. Like It was such a great high, but I didn't take too much bad away from it you're going to have games and against teams like the Suns if they get hot it they are going to be difficult to stop even with a really good defense so I, I didn't take too much bad bad away from it I can just show you levels but you have a couple of maybe missed errors or you better bad shooting for a period and you're playing against a team like the Suns they can just go off and leave you so it shows you the difference in levels but what I'll say is the Suns like delighted to win at the end which I thought mm. we usually come to the garden. It usually blows away at times, but they, they actually knew they were in a game at the end and they just won it. That's what I mean. That's the difference in us this season. People are coming and playing us. And if they get a victory against us, they can see that they're delighted because they know they've been in a game and it's been a tough game. So, And they're a good side, so they'll be there at about at the end of the season. Would, I mean, at the beginning of the year, the Knicks were, were linked with CP3 through his relationship with Leon Rose, the fact that Knicks needed a point guard, the fact that CP3 was quite um, openly being suggested in trade talks by OKC. Before the year, would you have, would either of you, sort of yes or no, would you have wanted to trade for CP3? And has his, you know, his, his impact on this Suns team changed your opinion? Because it changed mine. I must admit, I wasn't keen on, on making a trade for Chris Paul before the season. Yeah, I think I probably would have. Maybe not before the start of this season because of the expectations we had. If we knew that we were going to be this good, then I, I think the answer from everyone would be leaning towards yes. I think moving forwards, definitely I'm way more open to having like a vet point guard who's you know playing at more of an elite level than what we've got. Definitely whether we can acquire that through free agency. I know we've mentioned Carl Lowry before. Even someone like Mike Connolly, I think, would be an interesting shout for us. Mm. So I would say, yeah, I'd probably lean towards it. I think we're in a we're not in win now mode because we've not made, you know, we've not constructed a win now roster. But I think we're probably heading in that direction where if we add a few of these vet, more elite vet players like a Lowry or whoever 
then I'd be way more game for it than if you'd have told me before the start of the season. I would have, I've always liked him as a player, so I probably would have traded for him, just depending on what was involved in it right enough. I wouldn't have traded away a lot to get him because of his age. So like we've done trades in the past, it's kind of backfired and made this lose a few seasons. So, But after watching him night, he still got it. He'll still have it next season. So we'd, we'd, have been still, we'd have been in a better position if we traded for him and didn't have Derek Rosen, but we had him in CP3 and still... Peyton, but they still be in the same position, there'd be more. It's all off some butts, I don't know. I think the Derek Rose was a no-brainer because it's no crosses in and we're sitting fourth, so I don't think we could get much better if he was in place of Derek Rose myself, unless he was starting instead of Peyton. Yeah, I mean, he's, a, he's just a mid-range king, isn't he, CP3, and sometimes he doesn't even have to impact the game. The stats don't even jump out at you, it's just the fact that he's, he's that leader, he sets everything up, and I think sometimes this first group just just needs that. I think that's what Tibbs wants from Peyton, but he's obviously he's no, he's not anywhere near the level of, of Chris Paul. And the game after that against the Bulls felt like a huge game for me. I, you may it may differ for both of you, but it just felt we had this this road trip coming up. The Knicks were sort of in in between two. You know, the playing would still be you know really really good. Um, but the Knicks had a legit chance at the top six, and so this felt like a, a, a biggie. And I'll and I'll preface what I'm going to say about the game by saying that I didn't watch it live, um, and so my opinion might be slightly different had I watched it live. But I felt like the Knicks throughout were were, were simply messing with the Bulls throughout the game. It, it felt as though like the Knicks were a cat, the Bulls were a little mouse, and. Whenever they wanted to put them out of the misery, they could have done. And they hung around for so long. And then the Knicks just, in the fourth quarter, just took it over as they could. They could go through the levels and they've just got much more than this Bulls team. Yeah, we were sort of sat in second gear, really, for the first three quarters. And then they sort of thought, well, we should probably put this away. And then in the fourth quarter, they they rocked up and they just pushed it up a few, a few levels and, and took the game over. It did feel like that. It was a game of, you know, Vooch always seems to have great games against us. You know, he's annoying, that man. He's he's a good player. I think I probably changed my mind on that trade that went down, given what me and Scott were saying about it when it happened. <laughs> I think we're probably slightly wrong on that. But it was one of those games where beforehand it felt like it was a huge game for us, another Eastern Conference game. The Bulls are sort of in and around the play-ins, could maybe break the top six if they pick their form up and Levine comes back, maybe. I think that's probably unlikely now. And like you said, ahead of that huge road trip we've got, this is going to be so tough. And we needed to get a win, really, just to give us some confidence and set us up that we could probably allow ourselves to drop a game really, on this West Coast run, which I think we probably will. But it was a good win in the end. Again, like, like you said, Martin, we ended up just closing it out. And, you know, we, we stepped up a few levels in the fourth and I thought it was a deserved win in the end. I thought, I will say this, that I thought the refereeing was pretty poor on both ends. I thought the Bulls got unlucky at points and I thought there was some strange calls going on. But in the end, I think we managed to justify winning the game. Like yourself, Matt, I never watched it live. I watched it this morning, but I never knew the score because I always hate the scores and I got into that. So 
I was watching it without knowing what the score was, but I thought the first quarter would done really well. He went in the lead as usual, but we all seem to give leads away very quickly. We came 18 points ahead and the next minute it's down to two. In a matter of a couple of minutes, it's strange how we do it to ourselves. I thought the second and third quarters we were poor. And I was getting annoyed watching it. I was ready to fast forward and say I just got to go to the end because I was getting annoyed. I thought we were poor. Calm said, Vich was having a good game. It was only me more. He was constantly getting rebounds. He 18 rebounds last night. That's a lot of rebounds in one game for one person. So it just shows you what he was picking off. Again, we, we weren't good off the boards last night, I didn't think. The fourth quarter, we did we did come out and we stepped it up and we stretched it and we won in the end comfortably because you've seen that in the last couple of minutes where they put on other players, even Jared Harper come on. But I think we were living dangerous at times because you've seen Tibbs getting angry as well. So I don't think he was thinking as a cat and mouse. I think he was thinking the same as me, thinking, what the fuck he's doing? Because we, we was actually been missing. They should be beatable, the Bills. Even it should be beatable when he's playing anyway, but it should be more beatable. And it could have backfired because the Bills only playing bad and we managed to win in the end, but it could have backfired horribly and it could have set us bad on our road. Now, we got the win, which is great, so I just hope we continue this. But no, I wasn't too happy with performance. I was until the fourth quarter kind of kicked in. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it always felt to me as though the Knicks could, as I say, the Knicks could turn it on. There were times where, and this happens in a lot of the Knicks games, where they struggle to generate offence. And, you know, people who don't watch the games would probably think that the Knicks would rely on, you know, RJ, Barrett or um, Julius to, to, to bring them back into these games. And for a lot of the time, it's been, of the season, it's been Rose. But last night, the Knicks really needed some big shots from, from IQ, which were timely and sort of set the offence going again and sort of got them back in some type of scheme. Because, as you know, we've talked about a few times, there are times when the Knicks just can't grab a, grab a board and then they can't even get towards the other end and, and, and put up some points. It, it, uh, it gets frustrating at times, I must admit, when, when you see them and they go into old habits. But... The Knicks have that bench unit who just seem to ignite them when they are struggling. The bench unit's been great, obviously yeah. led by Derek Rose. Um, he's been sensational, and I know we've we've praised him a lot since that trade. And him and IQ just seem to have a great great connection. Derek Rose and Obi Toppin have a great connection. Taj is obviously you know the best player in the NBA, so it's always useful to have someone like that on the team. Um, but the last last night wasn't it? I feel like staying up for these games it makes your mind, your brain feel like mush sometimes. Yep. Staying up to the early hours watching these games. But Julius had a big game. Just looking back at the, the box score quickly, thirty four three and seven. I mean, he did take twenty three shots again, so he, he took a lot of shots. But he was four or seven from three. He hit some big shots. I mean, IQ. That kid has unlimited range. I mean, he was shooting from the logo, essentially. <laughs> he was draining them. Like every time he takes a shot from 30 feet and further back, you get confidence in him to hit it. You know, he, I don't mind him taking those shots either. I think he's well, well within his, his right to take those on. And having a player like that is obviously so useful. I thought Noel had a great game. Yeah, five, I five thought, blocks. I thought, he was, I thought he was the best player we had. Eh? Yeah, five blocks and four steals. I think was it that he had. Yeah, yeah. incredible. 
each one of those blocks is great. And then the four steals as well. He's not got great hands on offense, but he's got great hands on defense. And the way he can position himself at the rim to block some of those attempts, especially against players like Vooch, who are, you know, bigger and stronger than him. I thought he had a great game. And he again, he's been another revelation. And I think he's um, he's on course to be the first player in NBA history to average under 24 minutes or 24 minutes and have over two blocks and 1.5 steals a game or something like that, which is incredible, incredible numbers. And again, the value for money we're getting there, 5 million for this season. I imagine that that number will probably go up <laughs> if we want to keep them. Double? Probably. You're probably looking at uh, nearly double what, what he's on, but he was excellent. I thought RJ threw a few nice lobs to him. I think that was a game last yeah. night. He, they connected to him a few <laughs> lobs. And um, I think the first play of the game was that. Yeah, yeah. They, they sometimes do that, don't they? The first play of the game will be a lob to Noel. But yeah. he was great. I thought he was great. And I tweeted it again. Does he get consideration for one of the, the, the old defence teams? I, I don't know if he does because of the amount of media attention he'd need but I certainly think his name should be there or thereabouts I think he's certainly been one of the best defensive players as well as considering came in as a backup really to to Mitch and he stepped in and actually he's done just as good a job really if you think about it yeah after still last night's game I was quite surprised I thought Putin actually had a decent game his shooting wasn't great, but he was passing the ball and he was trying to get you moving a lot better than he was in some games. Yeah, but I thought I, the I system. Thought, yeah, I thought he actually came into this field. We were, we were, we were, I think it was one point we were a point behind or a, we were no far ahead or something. Like we were quite close in the game, but he done a couple of runs there and passed the ball off and make it buckets fit. So I was actually quite pleased for him. I'm not his biggest fan, but I don't like to... When he's on the court, you support him. Do you know what I mean? So as long as he's on the court doing things, things like that, I'll support him. It's when he runs to the... The net and everybody else is standing in a position to shoot, but he still takes it for a solo run in the net. That's what annoys me about him. But I thought last night he was okay. I thought he had a good game against the Suns, actually. I thought in his limited minutes, he, he was solid. That game, he actually got to the to the hoop a few times. And, it, you know, Peyton is what he is. He's not what we want him to be, but he is what no. he is. And he does do a few good things. Um, and when he plays like he did in those games, he, he, he certainly doesn't hurt the Knicks while he's on the floor. Um, I, I read not, not too long before we started recording, actually, an article by um, uh, Chris Herring. I don't know if you, you, you've read it. Um, and he was talking about the defensive efficiency. And during the course of this run, so between the 16th of April and the 27th of April, the Knicks are in the bottom 10 in terms of defence. And so... You know, the Knicks are, have an identity of being a, a good defence, but what's been so good about this run is, is that they've got it done offensively. And I think they can turn it on when they want. And I think you could see sometimes where Tibbs is getting a little bit frustrated, particularly last night with, with, He's uh, angry with Mr. Barrett. Mm. <laughs> yeah, Barrett. Marking yeah. it. Yeah, he, um, he felt the, uh, the force of Tibbs. But I think the Knicks can can step it back up defensively, and I think when when and if we do make the, the you know the proper playoffs, I think you're going to have a team where we've we've got some sort of 
offensive identity um, and that defence is going to complement that. And I think, you know, none of us are sitting here thinking we're going to the finals, but I think we're, we're, we're going to be a more rounded team and we've become more rounded as the season's gone on. It started off with the defence. You know, Burks has been out, which has been big for the Knicks. Um, but we've developed this, this, these rotations where, you know, Randall and Julius carry the main unit. Uh, Rose and IQ come in, you know, you get, you get contributions from everywhere, but the rotations seem to fit, the minutes seem to fit much better. And it's going to be very interesting when uh, Mr. Burks comes back, what, uh, what Tibbs does. Um, I think he's got a decision probably with Peyton. Because I don't think you can drop Rose or IQ's minutes because of the impact they've had on the team. Um, so if you were with, with Tibbs Cal, what would you be doing? I think we've steadily been seeing Peyton's minutes decline anyway. So I think when Burks comes back in, I think we might see him run point a little bit more. I think it's difficult really because we've missed him, but we haven't at the same time. Like it's just be they've got that next man up attitude really haven't they these these this group of guys so I definitely think he'll come in and play significant minutes I, to be honest if we're being realistic I think you probably see IQ's minutes go down again probably and you probably see Derek Rose's minutes go down slightly because I don't think you really want Rose playing 30 minutes a night really if, if, if you're being honest with, with his injury history and his age you want to try and preserve him somewhat for the clutch moments but I think Peyton's minutes will dwindle I think Burks might run point a little bit more and I think maybe IQ's minutes come back. Not that I'd want them to. I'd, ideally, I'd want Peyton's minutes just to diminish completely <laughs> and Burks just come in, but that's probably not going to happen. So I think, I, I don't know if I could put time on it really, but I think Burks will come back to getting his 15, 20 minutes a game probably. They're working yeah. in somehow. Yeah, I agree with that. And I, I think it's a shame if it happens. I don't mean for Alec Bots, but for IQ, because I think since Bots has been missing, he's stepped up. And he's shown what he can do with more minutes and more time in the court. Because I think seven, eight, nine minutes for him sometimes is pointless. It's not, it's not enough, is it? You can't no. get into the game. But he's getting nearly 20 minutes. Some games sometimes more than 20 minutes. And he's shown what he can do, especially offensively. And even defensively, he's been really good as well. So, I mean, he's confident this guy's on it for this guy. So I would uh, I, I feel quite bad if his minutes took, took away from him. Yeah, I'd be the same. I mean, I think the question that Tibbs has got is is that you, you have three ball handlers, don't you, on the second unit if you, you know, if you if you keep Burks on that. And so I don't think he wants to put Rose in the starting five if he if he if he can avoid it, because I think he thinks that he can take advantage of the mismatches and he can, you know, develop that relationship with Hobie and IQ and it feels you know, it, it feels as though there's something there, good chemistry. I don't think that he wants to put Burks in as the starting point guard. And so I think whilst we probably all want Peyton's minutes to drop and, you know, Burks or Rose go in there as the starting point guard, I, I, I just think, as, as you probably you both said, I, I think we go back into a, a position where Burks comes in for, for Reggie probably much earlier. Reggie's minutes probably go down. IQ's minutes probably suffer as well. Um, and the Knicks sort of keep the, extend the rotation slightly, 
um, to accommodate Burks, but it's not an extension that is Burks joining the starting five or Rose starting the starting five. I just think Burks just gets added in in the minutes, just yeah. to get separated. Um, yeah, we'll, I agree we'll, with that. we'll see how it is because the last thing we want is IQ's confidence to drop again because he had a little moment there where he was he was struggling. He wasn't hitting shots and it felt as though he'd hit that rookie wall and it seems like he's burst through and I don't want to do any anything or make any decision that sort of limits him and his minutes. And Because I think he's been huge and he's hit those big shots that have kept the Knicks' offence, you know, above water at times. Yep. I agree. I th- I'd be happy if Burks did go into the starting lineup. to be honest. I know his handle's a little bit all over the place sometimes, but I just think the way we're running plays at the moment, there are points in the game where we're moving the ball around a little bit and then sometimes it's the ball finds its way to Peyton wide open in the corner and you think, I don't have the most confidence in him making that shot. And I just think if that was Burks, either somebody's tighter to him and a lane opens up for Randall or RJ to drive into or yeah. they find Burks and he hits that shot. It, it'd be a big call. And I don't, like you said, I don't don't think Tibbs is one to really try anything that different at this stage given the weird... I mean, we'd be winning games, so really, we, we can't really complain. I mean, you can criticise little parts here and there, but I don't think there's much room for change at the minute because we've been winning games has been successful so I just I would like to see IQ's minutes go up because I just think he's our best shooter alongside Reggie uh, and like I said Reggie's been incredible yeah he has been. Pick up. he's been he's been again he's he's been incredible this this season the stretch of games he's having has been apart from that missed layup he had yeah <laughs> that was dreadful and then he hit a three straight after. I think, how can he, how can he, how's that happened? <laughs> Bizarre that. But he's been incredible and he's got the defense when he's playing aggressively and he's not got in foul trouble early doors like he did last night, uh, like he did against the Suns, rather. Um, he, he's invaluable to this team. But if it was me, I'd maybe throw Burks in as a starter and then keep Rose's minutes around 25, 26 minutes and split it rather than have Rose playing like 30 minutes and Peyton playing like 14 or 15. It would just make more sense to me, but we'll see what he does. But it might get even more complicated. And sorry to jump in, Scott, because we've got Luca Vildoza, who talk of the town is that we may be adding another point guard from the EuroLeague. Um, Scott, I understand you're a EuroLeague expert. You know everything about Mr. Bildog. No, none of us know anything about this. Not a clue. Not a clue. Have, have either of you watched any of the clips on YouTube? Or I, I, I don't think he's going to be someone that comes in and is going to be starting or getting many minutes for us this season, to be honest, no. from what we've been told. Our friend of, the, friend of the pod, Derek, who does watch a bit more of the EuroLeague than us, I know he's a watcher of, I think, Barcelona's team, isn't he? And he wasn't too high on him, but he said that maybe he might be one to keep an eye on. So I know a lot of other people in the Knicks' Twitterverse have said he could be really, really good. But until he's here and until we've seen him, I'm not really in a position to comment because I I saw the name and I thought, I don't have a clue who that is. I guess you have to wait and see. 
I think there's nothing else we can do. We don't know him. We've never heard him. Yeah. We can go. We can go and watch him. It doesn't really do anything. I think you have to wait until he comes to see what he does here, because the Euro League's totally different for the NBA. So it's just wait and see what happens when he comes. It must be decent to bring him over. That's all I can say. Yeah, there must have been something. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, the, the limited footage that I've seen, it looks as though he's got. He's a bit of a playmaker. The shot looks pretty good on the footage, but you know, on YouTube, what are they going to show? It clanking on the. Uh, on the rim, you know, it, 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 it a, a little quick look at the numbers. He's shooting 41% from the field, 37.6 on nearly five attempts from three. That's not and he's bad. hit 76% from the line. He, I read somewhere as well that um, Kobe uh, implored the Lakers to sign him and another Argentinian after wow. watching him, um, whether it be in the Euro League or when he was playing for Argentina in, in, in so he's been on the radar for the NBA. The Raptors tried to bring him home over last year and he, re- he refused to come over. So let's see what happens with Mr. Vildoza. But for the moment, I, I agree with you both. I don't think he's going to be um, someone who's going to make a huge impact for the Knicks this year. <laughs> So the Knicks, they now head out west. Over the next week, they've got Houston, Memphis, Denver, a grudge match against Phoenix after that latest one. And then the following week, we've got the Clippers and the Lakers again on the road before returning home against the the Spurs. It's a difficult run. The next one's a big one, though, isn't it? Houston, we, we need that one. Yeah, definitely. I think... We've been banging on about it for weeks. All so this West Coast run coming up is going to be really hard, and none of us are really looking forward to it. <laughs> and now it's here, and it's like it's really tough. Nine games in fourteen days against some really difficult teams. I mean, Houston, are, it's winnable, but on any given night, who knows what what can happen with them? Some of those games: Lakers, Clippers, Memphis, Denver. Phoenix again, it, it's tough. I think we'd be lucky to to be 500 out of those games. I think we'd have done very, very well if we managed that. I think the same. I don't think I said before, but I'll, I'll be happy if we get two wins out of all that, that road trip, hoping for three, but I don't really see any more than that just because of the games and the opposition. And it's coming to Close end of the campaign, and the Lakers are still fighting for position, so they'll probably play better against us than the last time. The sun showed how good a side they are. Now gets are the same. Uh, it's just Memphis game. I'm hopefully we can get a victory in Houston game. Uh, have we get Jazz here as well? Have we played the Jazz. Well, we we beat the Jazz at the start of the season, didn't we? Austin yeah. so, Rivers I went off. <laughs> That's what he did. Uh, so I think it will be difficult. Hopefully they prove me wrong. I think they may be good, but it's just a tough ask. I know it's everybody Everybody has to go and do certain trips in the NBA like this, but it's quite hard for us, So especially. I know it's the same for a lot of teams, nine games in 14 days, but 
And that's a hard trip, especially with the roster that we've got. We've not got a best roster, even though we're proving at the moment it's a very good roster, a very good team. So hopefully we can get three wins out of that trip. Maybe more, but I don't know. Two, I would say, but hopefully for three. We're all sufferers of Nick's PTSD. I think everyone, whether in the States or wherever you watch and follow the Knicks from, you've got, we've all got that ingrained in us because of what's what's happened. I don't want to be defeatist, but if you if I could sign up for two wins on this trip now, I would take it in a heartbeat. Um, you know, it puts us in a great position to then return home and grab a couple of these games back at MSG. You know, four wins over these last nine would what? Put us at would put us 39 wins? Yeah, so, yeah, you know, that would be incredible. I think that gets you in the top Phenomenal, six. Yeah, yeah I think that gets definitely. You know, these other teams are faltering. I know the Heat won last night, but the the Celtics, you don't know if they're gonna stink up the joint. They, they lost to OKC, didn't they, the other night? OKC, who hadn't won in however many games, and they probably Nine didn't games. even want to win the game. It, yeah, yeah, I think it's <laughs> crazy. Isn't it? Crazy. It's been a, been a weird season, hasn't it? Really, it's very strange. Um, teams doing better than other people thought. Other teams, like the Heat, have dropped off massively. And then you look at us, and we're sort of the story of the season, really. I guess, couldn't you say? This this run though is is massive. If I'll, I'll take two wins, to be honest, I will, because. There's some really tough teams, and then I think the three really massive games of those three, the three last ones against the Spurs, yeah. the Celtics, and the, and Charlotte, because especially against Charlotte and the Celtics, they'll probably be deciders. The the good thing is we've put ourselves in a position where it's not absolutely vital that we go into this West Coast run. We have to win all of the games, or we have to win that half of the games. We've done our bit. We've we've had this crazy nine-game win streak and we've won against the Bulls. So we've won 10 out of the last 11. And we've set ourselves up that really, if we can try and just get four wins to take us to 38 or 39, that would be great. That that will see us in the top six, I think. Yeah, I think so. Uh, I hope we are. I hope so. I think we deserve an end this. I think we deserve to be there at the end of this season, though, because... I'm a fan, I know, because um, I just think the way we performed this season, we've performed above everybody's expectations, more so our own, their own fans than anybody else's, but just the way we went about our business, we've just done really well, and it's not been a next of old, it's, it's been a togetherness about the whole thing, from management to the coaches to the players, so I think over the season, we deserve to be there at some sort, because maybe done this season because at the start of the season if you didn't when you look back to your first pod none of the years expect us to be anywhere near it so to be honest to be even in my show at the moment is just phenomenal yeah no no definitely and I think we'd have all signed up for it um we're all going to be insufferable anyway just because of the amount of wins we've got already and if the Knicks got in the top six what a story that is and sets up really nicely for heading into the off-season, the draft and free agency when uh, World Wide West, Leon, do their thing. Um, that's what they're brought here to do. Yeah. You know, they've added a bit of competency. The Knicks are in the right direction, but make no mistake about it, this front office has been assembled to attract somebody or do something special. And so this is this is only the beginning. 
turn now to our usual segment of Gripe of the Week. I'll let Scott go first this week. What uh, what really what really got you annoyed this week with the Knicks? It's not so much for the Knicks. Well, it is, it's the Knicks Twitter, probably. It's, there's been a lot of Knicks fans are on Twitter. All over social media, we're all having fun, we're laughing, we're excited. We're just having, it's just this time, and we've had the experience this since probably 2013, since the last got to playoffs, and Miller was there, etc. But the, some of the abuse you're getting or comments for other teams' fans, it's, is it jealousy? Is it, are they annoyed because we're back up there? Even though we've not been there for ages, why do people get annoyed seeing Knicks fans walking at MSG celebrating? Don't get me wrong, I don't agree with them. The aggression we're giving out to that young Raptors fan, I think that was out of order, and I think that shouldn't happen because no matter who you support, you shouldn't get abuse for it. But on social media, Knicks fans, we must, I've, I've been targeted in the last week with some Heat fans and Celtic fans, and I don't get it because at the end of the day, it's a sport we're all fans of a team, but. Why should the next fans be treated differently? You here, see people saying that the next are winning, you know, over they think now that's putting up pictures of next banners and MSG saying take nine game streak and stuff like that. They don't get it because they've not been in our position for the last few years where we've suffered. We've watched really awful basketball at times. Sometimes you can even watch it, you turned it off. So maybe we are just now we're not expecting this. I'm so happy. So I just can't understand that. I just don't know if it's jealousy or just anti-New York bias as usual. And not, I don't include the fake organisation there, the, the Nets, because they're for Brooklyn, no New York. So I just like to say to everybody who's having a gripe against the Nets, against the Knicks, sorry, I should say, next season, if you get better, bring it on. Yeah, I mean, I know I know the kind of stuff that you're, you're talking about. No problem whatsoever with people taking the... You know the make out of the the Knicks in terms of the you know the games whatever it may be, you know it's when the stuff gets a little bit personal to people it gets that it's really nasty it's uncalled for. Look, we all we all love basketball. We're all tribal for our teams. We're all we're all followers. We'll all you know die on whatever hill or island or opinion we've got on on Twitter and whatever it may be. You know, different opinions. There doesn't need to be that level of abuse. I mean, I give out banter on, on Twitter all the time. I've got you know, a good relationship with some of the other UK fan accounts. Um, you know, never really have a problem, but you do get some of those people who do go across the line who, who either don't understand the humour or are just damn right ignorant and yeah. shouldn't come out with some of the, the shite that they do. So, so I mean, no, definitely. Yeah, it is. It is. It's the, the correct word for it, vile. And social media is is wonderful at times, and it brings out the best in people, but it also brings out the worst. Um, so, yeah, no, I agree with everything you said there, Scott. I, there's just no place for it. This particular UK community is a community a lot of the time, and we get you know a lot of good interactions. And to, to take it beyond that is just disgusting. I agree with everything you both said, just for myself to touch on it. Some of the things that were said this week, particularly to someone within our group, um, was really not very nice to see. And there's there was a line that was crossed yeah. and it was obviously disappointing to see, you know, rival fans cross that line. But like you said, that's that's social media. We need to take a stand against it and, and call these people out and, and educate them on how to 
conduct themselves in a in a better way. And 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 like you said, it's a community in the, the day. As Knicks fans, we've got you know thick skin against this sort of thing. We've been the target of a lot of media abuse, a lot of other fan you know banter, and we've built up quite a you know resistance to it. And now we've developed our own humour, and we're able to take the piss out of ourselves you know quite regularly. And I think we're really good at doing that. But there, there's been a line that's been crossed in the last week with with some people that you know I've got no time for it and. It, it was just some of the abuse was was directed at Scott and, and one of our other friends was was not on and um, it was it was just disappointing to see that after all the excitement around the nine game win streak you know it sort of uh, it, it was just um, uh, quite sad to to see some of the comments made but hopefully when the Knicks do make the playoffs a lot of people be in their words anyway so they won't be yeah. ready to take a tape parade. <laughs> hmm. <Yep>. <laughs> and that was a, a valid gripe of the week, Scott. Is there anything anything that really annoyed you this week, Carl? Um, aside from Spurs losing the cup final. Um <laughs> <laughs> Carl, imagine not a sports podcast. <laughs> I, I don't really have much to gripe about. My only real gripe, I suppose, was the refs again. I thought the refs, and this is sort of a universal gripe, really, for, for both sets, sets of the of fans, mainly last night's game. I thought the refs have just been really inconsistent all season. I think heading towards this really vital stretch of games we've got, it does concern me that there's, there's <laughs> certain groups of refs out there that aren't consistent and it's starting to impact games for us. So that was my only real gripe this week. Aside from that, I'm finding it difficult to really dig anything out. Obviously, I would have gone on the similar lines to Scott, you know, the, some of the abuse that's been dished out this week. But I think obviously we've covered that. But aside from that, some of the refing's been been pretty bad. And I'd just like to see a more consistent, you know, group of refs take take charge of some of our games and some of the other teams' games because it's been, I think it's been really bad for, for the most part. For most teams, the refs have been been pretty naff. Yeah, across the NBA, they've not been great for some time. My gripe of the week was quite simply watching Mikael Bridges in a Suns uniform. I mean, he oh, was yeah. the pick. He yeah. was the pick. He was the uh, goddamn pick that they, they should have made. Um, you know, he does it at both ends. Really, really good defender. Um, and then he started hitting threes, and particularly that fourth, and helped take over the game. He's just one of those really... Good plug-in players, winner. You know what you get from him every night. As I say, competes on defense and and has all the shots. I mean, there was a moment, you know, where he went under the basket and he's, you know, nice finish under the hoop and you know he's spraying threes and he's built up good chemistry with Booker. It's and and our pick sat there on the bench, who's not doing anything other than getting the um, the pins and white flag. I think Berman reported um, that he's gone in the off season. It, it, be, yeah. it, would, it, it really wouldn't surprise me. It'd be part of a move somewhere, even if it's for for not for, for just like a second rounder in the future or something. Apparently, he's he's not going to be coming back, which is a shame. But yeah, it was it was difficult to watch. Michael Porter Junior is another one <laughs> that obviously we, we could have got. It's difficult to watch him do well. 
but poor Kevin. I think it's just not worked out for him, is it? No, no, it's not. He's he's got he's got the majority of the skills in the book. He's got the size. He just doesn't have that motor. He doesn't have that get up and go. It's it's, it's disappointing. I mean, we we could all be wrong. He could really be a, a late bloomer. We might see some some change with with an off season with Tibbs. I don't know, but. It was just frustrating that you could have this really high-level player. You know, we're talking about um, Knox and we're talking about Bridges. It's also Shea Gildress Alexander as well. Oh, uh, God, they remind me of that one as well. I know. Um, <laughs> you know, it's not to be, not to be, let's, get, let's get to the moment of the week. I don't want to bring it down. We, you know, we've won, <laughs> yeah, we've, we've won depressing nine. that, isn't it? <laughs> we've won nine. Um, lost one. We've won one. We're going back on another win streak. So... I'll start off with the moment of the week this week. Um, <coughs> I had to. Uh, I couldn't I couldn't get them both. My, my favourite play of the week was the Rose crossover on Siakam against the Raptors. It was just vintage D Rose Beautiful. in the paint, crossed him up um, at the hoop, an easy finish. Another moment of the week was last night with Tibbs, who absolutely berated RJ Barrett, who I felt <laughs> sorry for. His mate... Obi came and sat next to him. And after he'd finished getting uh, berated by, by Tibbs, give him a little low five. And I thought he just reminded me of you know, like two little kids at school who get in trouble and they were like, yeah, you know, I'm here for you, mate. So, Scott, <coughs> what was your moment of the week? Moment of the week was for last night's game, mate. Hey, Obi. We went to, went to the net, didn't get it in, then they put back. Put it back in. I thought I was really, I thought he'd done really well. I was happy for him. It's one of the moves. I don't get me wrong, as I say, I watched it, I didn't watch it live, but if you're watching it live, it would probably get you off your seat. Probably Callum is. Yeah, that was off my seat. That. <laughs> yeah, I thought he'd done really well because that's not he was, he wouldn't have done that at the start when he came, but it just shows you the confidence in him now. Cal, what was yours? My, that, that was mine, but I'll go, I did have a reserve. And it was just Tibbs finally smiling at the end of the game last night. He took his mask off. Not that he wears it properly anyway, but <laughs> just this smile at the end of the game. And when Tibbs is smiling, you know all is well in the world and he must be happy. And that was just nice to see that we you know, we finished off that game and he was having a nice smile to himself, look very proud. <laughs> so that was my moment. But yeah, the, the OB slam, the, the, the putback slam was, yeah, get, get me uh, off my seat uh, in the early hours. I thought, he, yeah, it was just, that was a good moment, that one. I think yeah. that should get a mask for me, wouldn't it? That would, tell, that would just annoy everybody. <laughs> the only other time you see, mask. <laughs> the only other time you see Tib smiling is when Berman asked him a question in the post-game. And he has sort of a little... Yeah. little <laughs> <laughs> a smile just creeps across across his yeah. face. Um, well, it's it's NFL draft night. Uh, yep. You boys are uh, bigger NFL fans than, than myself. Scott's the Jets and Carl's the Bucks. You boys have got a pick in the first round, Scott. Yep. Who are the Jets taking? Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson. Yeah. Is that who you want them to take? Maybe Justin Fields, but we'll get we'll get Zach Wilson. I think Zach Wilson should in for it. I think everything's been done beforehand. So I think we had draft works. A lot of these picks already know what's coming. So I think he's headed yeah. towards the Jets. Carl, have your books taken? 
obviously we're in a great spot, Super Bowl champions. A team of mine actually being successful is quite quite the change, actually. But um, <laughs> my pick would be um, Joe Tryon uh, from Washington. We love a player from from the Washington uh, Huskies. Vita Vea was a pick a few years ago. So Joe Tryon is an edge rusher. I think we'll take him at 32. But to be honest, any I'm happy with anyone, really. We're in a great spot to take the best player available. So another late night for me. 5 a.m. scheduled to be when we're picking. So I might be a bit of a zombie tomorrow. <laughs> Both before and during the, you know, the, the, the break between the recordings, me and Scott have expressed our concern over you, Cal, on this West Coast trip. Um, yeah, I, I might be dead by next week. Who knows? Yeah, yeah, it's going to be a rough one. Um, Very I'm rough. Praying. But I'm, who, who I'm praying that Mrs. UK Knicks um, has given birth or is in the process of not at 9 p.m. on Sunday when we get the big reveal, but just in time for this West Coast trip so I can have some, some late nights and we can stay up feeding our, our, our baby girl and uh, watch some, some Knicks basketball and introduce her to the blue and orange. Um, <laughs> we're all on the socials. Cal, do you want to direct everyone to where you are? At Cal Hutchins 26. And if you fancy following my NFL Twitter, actually, since we're talking about the draft, it's at TBBucks26. You can catch me chatting about anything NFL. If you're an NFL fan, just drop me a follow over there. Scott? It's NBA UK7. That's Twitter. NBA UK7. Give me a follow and drop me a message or whatever. Yeah. And this account is Nixon Score UK. Uh, we've got a little bit of a break now. I think we've got three nights off. Mm-hmm. Rockets next game, huge game. Let's get it. Let's go, Knicks. Come on, the boys. <laughs>